Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the BestOrProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. Remember today we have Birdie. Hi. And Trey. Hello. So, um, the new anime season kind of starts this week, but we are recording this before that has officially kicked off. Uh, so next episode we'll be getting deep dives into the fucking new anime shit coming out th- coming out for this season. Hopefully, hopefully. But in the meantime, Trey. Oh boy. Um. So I've had a week of shit. Now I'd like to start off by saying I watched. Let's just let's just start cold or hot. I don't know. I watched. SAO Ordinal Scale, but I'd not only watched it one time, I watched it five times. Jesus Christ. Because, because you hate yourself. Because I watched it once with with a friend, because we watch all the sword art stuff together. It's fun to do. We just drink and watch it. And not I realized really. this movie's fucking boring, and I had to and I was already planning on doing it for anime night, so I was like I took it upon myself to re-subtitle the whole thing in a day and a half. It took me ten hours total, but I had a day and a half worth of time to be able to do it until my deadline, and I was exporting it like an hour before anime night. Um and uh that movie's bad. Yes, it okay? is. That movie's really like okay, it's not abhorrently just terrible to and easy to laugh at. It's Boring. Well, nothing no, happens. Uh, Characters just futz around for nothing for like too long. Nothing happens. There is probably a total of five minutes of plot in this. The movie is and two hours keep, long. Yes, <laughs> it's two hours long. And I could have told you that they because keep recapping the plot every few minutes. It, because like, they have no plot. Whenever it, they have kind of a plot, but it has so light plot. Minuscule. Yeah, it's so minuscule that they're just like, okay, we have to, we have to keep telling you that something's happening when it's not. Um, and what, what's even what's even more fucking infuriating because I watched Trey's sub of it, and so you you might you might consider like that to not be the proper way to watch a movie, but like fuck you, it's sword art. And fuck you, it it I tried my hardest, and I think it's fun. And so, I got the gist of it, and. Here's the here's the uh, weird here's the weird like cognitive dissonance problem I have with this fucking movie in that it is not complicated enough to have a to have like the amount of fucking explanation of what the actual goddamn plot is and the and, yeah so much so that I plot that I literally whenever something that actually matters to the plot happens I stop myself I stop everything because I'm basically writing my own stuff it has every bit of plot in the movie I did not cut any of that out. I literally stop and have a character say things like, oh, hey, here's the plot. And they just say it. And then it's like, okay, let's move on. And it just keeps going. Yeah, and but, that only happens three times for about a minute and a half, minute 45 each. Yeah, but <laughs> even though the plot is that fucking simple, there is still so much of it that doesn't make sense. So much that doesn't make sense because let's get right down into it. Let's. The whole plot of the movie is... Sakirito's the best, right? His dick Kirito's, is huge. Everybody loves him. Best girl is, is Klein. Lo- yes. Why are you uh, saying that like that's news? Anyone who's seen SAO that's what I'm would say- know That's that. why I'm saying correct, right? Kirito's the best. 
Yeah. So, if SAO, then Kirito is best. Exactly. Uh, it's just logic. So Kirito's the best, but he doesn't want to play an AR game that everyone's playing. So what happens is he goes to the AR game and he's not the best. For a minute. But but he says, that's because I don't like it. And then it turns out the AR game's related to SAO because, oh, SAO monsters are appearing. And they're like, how the fuck are they doing that? And then, but for I, I don't understand why. I mean, I kind of understand. They're like, hey, the SAO monsters trigger memories, strong memories in SAO players' minds and stuff. Uh, and when those memories happen, if a player, an SAO survivor gets killed by the monster, then their memories get wiped and sucked into a drone that apparently has a firewall that a god AI can't hack through. Um, but anyway, I digress. Yes. Um, some guy. So much that, like the movie. Some guy is like, hey, I'm going to collect all these memories to bring my dead daughter back to life who died in SAO. Um, and uh, this one, this one lapdog person doing all his dirty work is like obviously being used. Is the one going around and collecting people's memories because the girl, the guy, dude's daughter that died is that kid's girlfriend. He also he also has a super suit that makes him able to do SAO shit in the real he world. He has a bionic suit. Super suit. So he's cheating. Yes, he has this. He has this dumb bullshit like hexagon no one, chip in the back of his fucking neck, and no one notices. Not a person. He's wear, literally wearing a plug suit, but no one notices till the end when Kirito says, "Oh, hey, look at that," and then tears it off and then beats him. Um, this movie takes so much pride in like saying, "Oh, see, you remember how we made Kirito OP? He's not OP right now." Except when it gets to the point where Kirito has to save the day, everyone's waiting for Goku, and uh, he's like, okay, I have to get good. In a span of 18 hours or less, he becomes the best in the world and physically fit to the max, because they keep telling him, you're fat, you need to exercise, you're unhealthy, that's why you're not good at this game. Yeah, there and was- he just becomes the physically the best at the point where he's doing like Dragon Ball Z dashes in the real world. Faster than someone wearing a bionic suit. Yeah, like uh, like there was a point in the in, like the final fight between Kirito and Eiji where he is edgy, please. Where where Edgy is just fucking running like fucking like ninja run, like his legs are moving at twice the speed of a normal person, but he's running at the same pace as Kirito, who is running regular. So either Kirito's fucking stride Kirito, is like fucking nineteen like, feet, and Kirito asks, "Can you keep up?" Yeah, and also they're in a parking garage that appears to be like it's like some kind of weird like spatial thing where the where the parking garage is however long it needs to be. Yeah. Um and again, it's like a Dragon Ball Z fucking fight in the real world with virtual swords that clash and push people back so the physics don't make sense. But then Kirito um, uses this system that can't full dive to full dive, become a god no, being, and have his psyche leave the fucking game and hold fight up, everybody. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I want to get to, I want to lead up to this because this you can't you can't sugarcoat it. For some reason, it's coded in SAO that whoever's the top of the leaderboard is immortal. And and Kirito has to fight every boss in SAO 
but he can't do that because he's too he's too weak. So he has to full dive in and fight the final boss of SAO to get a cool sword that makes him immortal so he can be number one, and then his avatar becomes real and it's immortal, and there's this stupid display of him just like pointing a sword at things and them exploding. It also doesn't help that the sword looks retarded. It's so stupid, but it's so amazing. Oh my god, there are two Kirito's now and one is immortal. Oh man. Um I so can't wait for the next I can't wait for the next movie when Asuna starts cheating on Kirito with Kirito. Yeah, it's great. Because if uh, he because th- there can't be two best. So who is the bestest Kirito? <laughs> the shitty human or the immortal computer god? Uh So Okay, I just this movie's bad. This movie's trash. Nothing happens of consequence and I point that out. Uh, that it, there is because it's an anime movie, no consequences ever. Um, not at all. Not at well, all. unless your uh, disappearance of Haruhi. Well, yeah, but like that—that's kind of the exception of the rule. Yeah, there is a rule, and that is the exception. Or the third Madoka Magica movie. Again, the third what That's like that's like saying the Evangelion, the end of Evangelion. It's it, when I say anime movie, I mean like. A shonen movie type thing, you know, the thing that that's more prevalent. The that Naruto there are a movies, lot more of yes, there are a lot more of these things. Yeah, like there there is a story that is beginning to middle to end this this and this, but they wanted to make a movie out of it. So hey, let's take these characters and put them in this other side thing that has no consequence. Nothing will ever be referenced again. Get fucked. Yeah, everyone okay. will. Everyone will forget it ever happening. And that so becomes a plot point in my sub. Too prominent. That that becomes a plot point. In my sub, the characters become so hell bent on ending the movie, so everyone forgets what's going on. Kirito's really wants to end it, so everyone forgets that he's not he wasn't good at the game and that he ate shit at the beginning. So the only the only kind of interesting scene of the whole entire fucking movie, uh, dealing with Kirito anyway, and and then. Like there are characters that are just there and they don't do anything, but they're there throughout the whole movie, like Agil and Klein, which arguably were two of the better characters in Sao. Yeah, Klein is best girl. And I was like, they have nothing. They're literally here to do nothing. So I wrote them a romance subplot. And hey, it's the best part of the movie. (laughs) So Nozaki Kun. I'm not familiar. Nozaki-kun is a comedy anime where uh, this guy is a really known shoujo manga ka, and there was an episode where two of the main characters played one of those romancing the girl type games, and they discovered that the perfect character for the male lead to end up with was the support character. So they wrote an entire story around them ending up together. Uh, Yeah, this was two support characters having a relationship on the sidelines and like it works far too well the way I wrote it. And Kinda it's accurate. great. Yeah, I know. Like the scenes worked too well. <laughs> um just they would so, constantly disappear and they just constantly disappear it, for like hours at a time and everybody be and everybody just like start mentioning like, Yeah, hey, those two be fucking. And then they come back and every time they're they're like in the scene, it's always together. And they're like they're like broing on each other, like talking and like I guess I guess it's a bro thing to hit people for some reason in Japan. I don't know, but um, not necessarily. That's not, that's not even necessarily a 
Japan thing. Yeah, I've seen that a lot know. of time. In American, I've seen a lot of time in American movies where people just kind of show up and then they just fucking like punch each other in the shoulder. Yeah, but like this is straight yeah, like I mean, hitting a, someone in the a, back of the head. This is things like hitting someone in the back of the head. That happens all the time in like uh, in anime where like two, they're oh they're friends they're buddies. I'm like, dude, if my friend hit me on the back of the head, I'd fucking kick him in the balls. <laughs> I mean, I just read a manga where a girl watched two guys doing professional wrestling, and she's like, "Oh, you guys are gay." It's like, "Why are we gay?" Because because like you're all rubbing up and you grab at each other and breathing really hard, and you're all on the ground sweaty. It's really gross. You're really gay, and she's like, "You just described all of wrestling." But <laughs> I had I had more fun writing this. I'm sure. Uh, well, while because you had to write while something. Hype, while hyped up on energy drinks and sleepless and stressing about a deadline than I did watching through this movie. Well, and again, yeah. I watched it five times because I had to because sh- I was like other people wanted to see it, uh, wanted to watch it. I had not uploaded it yet online when I showed it to these people, so now I have a website for it because, excuse me, I want to do more of these, uh, okay. making subtitles. And uh, the next project I'm working on, which I will use to lead into my next segue, lead into a segue, whatever. I can't speak. Uh, Evangelion 1.1 before. I do have some more things to say about fucking SAO because fuck the oh. goddamn it. Okay, I guess. Okay, you're just gonna merge yours there. Okay. Yeah, because fucking, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like wait till the end to talk about more SAO. Okay. Why the fuck would I do that? It's SAO. Yeah. So, the whole plot with SAO is uh, there with this movie is that we now have the third iteration of this fucking dumb technology bullshit, uh, which is the Augma, which is augmented reality AR. Which, the way they show it is actually kind of interesting. Uh, except like, for, like, it makes little sense because someone had to model the entire Earth. Oh, no, it makes little fucking sense. But, like, the idea of, the idea of, like, the usability of, like, like the, like, just, like, weird little, weird, like, overlay things. It seems like a more, it seems like a better yeah. use case for, like, potential future technology than putting on a bike helmet to cut off all fucking nerve yeah. connection to your body to go into a Microsoft video game. Microsoft HoloLens. Yeah, it's HoloLens, but good. I would yeah. say that, Dead Man, if not for its show, I'm going to talk about tonight. Okay. Yes, that's um, really, so that's, that's kind of interesting, but the fucking, in that final fight, so, so like the way like the way the ordinal scale the game in the the game in the movie works is that you put in this thing you have a stick, little tiny stick that serves essentially as your controller. It, as you once you once you activate the thing, the stick turns into a sword or a staff or a gun or a microphone or a microphone. Fuck it. And and as you, as you go in and like attack and shit uh you affect the virtual worlds that you're in because the whole world gets an overlay that turns it into some SAO Alfheim Gungil bullshit it turns it into a hellscape actually yeah and every time they do it it's the same animation i'm assuming because unless you fucking did any kind of weird thing it's the same sound effect same animation same music same everything it's the same everything but then you get to like that final fight and they fucking activate their sticks and their Ogma shit, but the world doesn't change. They're still in the parking garage and their fake swords are destroying the real parking garage. The real world. It's like you see dust fly up and things break. Yeah, they're destroying fucking support columns in this parking structure using uh, their sticks. That are, that are, let me remind you, the size of like a glow stick. Yeah, the sticks are like four inches long. 
and the swords are virtual, and they're clashing off of each other. There's weight to it and everything. Yeah, that that whole shit's fucking retarded. And so, then, and then, like the bad guy's main plan is to is to like summon these bosses, summon these uh, Sao bosses to trigger some kind of memories in the goddamn Sao players, then kill them using those bosses, which then steals the memories, which then steals their memories, but also erases the memories from their minds of all of Sao. Yeah, and I was talking with and I was talking with Trey about this earlier, but I I don't I'm not. I'm not a particularly sciencey man. You're not big on the neuro, on the neuroscience and you know that whole shtick. Yeah, when I wasn't a science, it was forensic science, not neurology. But it seems to me that it would be harder to develop a memory scanning technology that then deletes specific memories from the brain than memory scanning technology. Period. Uh, don't forget the kills you part. Yeah, that too. So this guy. Fucking developed this technology to bring his daughter back and specifically went out of his way to design it to murder people. And one of the great things that I noticed is they start saying, oh, that's the boss from this floor because the carry people, the SAO survivors don't recognize it. And it's a floor they never got to. So what's the point of spawning bosses to trigger memories when they don't remember that boss? <laughs> Fuck if I know. <laughs> like yeah, like like they like they only got up to, uh, they only got to up up to like floor seventy seven, I think. Like so, e- so even like, if they oh, somehow that's the sur- floor ninety one boss, and he's like the what? I was like, bitch, you never got higher than that, and only like fucking twenty people got to floor seventy seven. It was crazy. Yeah, and oh yeah, and uh, so since Kirito and Asuna, this was established before, they go to an all SAO survivors school to keep them like. Like, that checks up on their mental health and everything. Yeah. Everyone, all the SAO survivors in Japan that are teenagers go there. um, Or they're homeschooled. Well, everyone at that school conveniently got a ticket and a class assignment to go to this concert, which was held by a virtual girl that's, like, the big bad guy's virtual daughter that he's trying to get memories for, whatever. He's using that, he's going to use that whole concert hall uh, as, like, a battleground to summon monsters and steal memories. I don't know why the monsters at that point were necessary. I don't know why nobody thought to take off their fucking headset. Uh, because, again, okay, they, I it might have sounded subbed, but, like, they actually sit, Kirito is like, hey, take off your headsets, and no one listens. Yeah, but, like, like just like, no so one no, at all listens. Oh, no, like, I get, like, that part was in the thing, but wouldn't anybody else there go like oh this is fucking too much dude and then takes off the thing yeah the that thing falls that into the same memories they don't know what steals the their same, memories that falls into the same log, uh, logical holes that the death note 2017 movie fell into it's just something that the writers didn't think of but they did because they said hey tell everyone to take them off and he yeah, tells them, they, yes, but they oh, but they're not listening. Yeah, so a person, yeah, so a person screams to thousands of people in a huge football stadium-sized arena while explosions are happening, and nobody can hear him. That makes sense, but wouldn't literally anybody else? No, I understand that. I'm just saying someone thought of it, but they didn't decide. They decided someone not thought to of the right person, idea. Not someone, the person in charge of creating scenes and writing dialogue. Yeah, did yeah. not think of it. Just, whoever, who, okay. One person thought of it when they wrote it, 
but that person just didn't put in the effort to go change the script. Oh god. I'm no, so... it was it was sort of like that, "Oh, Mr. Director, I have a question. Shut up." <laughs> what, what what why wouldn't these people take off? Shut up. <laughs> but they should really take off the head. Shut up. Uh so that all happens for some reason for some reason they everyone at the everyone in SAO needed their memories stolen to complete his dead daughter which made me think what if one person didn't show up yeah just one guy was like just one guy went to the concert was like eh, that's ain't my shit takes off his augma and just leaves yeah also nobody was losing their memory like nobody was being defeated by the bosses in that stadium. Yeah, so nobody was losing their memory, so but somehow really, they were still generating the, the memories. Timer, the, yeah, the timer was, or the counter was still going up. It was strange to me. So, uh... It was strange, period. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, it's very bad. That being said, uh... I'm surprised adored, you guys had this much to say about Sword Art Online, because it's one of the more boring things you, to hate. I watched it five times i had a lot to say i watched it once but i i watched it once but i I have a history of like having to expand out on my thoughts in the podcast format i literally had to go like seconds at a time watching every scene multiple times so it's like i had i was noticing things and anything that you anything that you could bring up at all about this movie when watching it casually I would like when I was with my friends doing the anime night because there were like ten people there. Uh, they would say something, and I'm like, "Just wait," and then like two seconds later, it comes up in the sub. Like the sub is critiquing itself. So also, why were there two Yunas? I, I don't fucking know. Why were there two Kirito's? No, that that retardedly makes sense to me. <laughs> Because one was the physical embodiment of the person, and the other was God Jesus. The other was God Jesus Kirito. His avatar is God Jesus. Yeah, meanwhile, uh, Yuna was the idol. Who, she was number two. Yeah, meanwhile, Yuna was the fucking idol doing fucking whatever. And then there was also the fucking white mage Yuna, who existed as a ghost occasionally to go blah, 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 blah. I don't, at one point, one of the monsters tried to kill the daughter that he was trying to bring back to life. Yeah, it was retarded. Um, it was it, so, it was the it was the fucking like death scythe or whatever the fuck it was that killed Yui. Yeah, again, Kirito has to cheat well, to beat killed. that boss. Ah, uh, the the death scythe from the same weapon creators as Death Gun. Yeah, his yep. scythe cuts uh, death. So, again, the next project I'm going to be doing this uh, doing. Is going to be Evangelion 1.1. I've already started. Man, I don't like Evangelion. <laughs> okay. Man, I don't like Evangelion. Like again, Trey, you're just to me. You're just stating the obvious. Okay, I like here. I like Neon Genesis Evangelion, the show, as in like, oh, it's okay. I respect that. I guess. Uh, then Evangelion 1.11 is just people jerking themselves off, and. <laughs> It's terrible and trashy, and this is some of the hardest writing I've, I've had to do. I've gotten uh, 20 minutes into uh, subbing this, and whereas it took 10 hours to sub a Sword Art Online, uh, this has taken over a week to get 20 minutes in. Um, 
it is so packed with just bullshit and nothing. Yeah, talking about dense and complexity, but like not in a good way. Not in a good way. It's like it's literally I put a timer uh I put a timer in the subs at one point where they're just like trying to un trying to put Shinji in the Evangelion and unlock it and everything and it's like this whole scene what was it i think this whole scene had taken like two minutes and 57 seconds and it's literally just like unlocking this unlocking that doing this and it's like you're just seeing a show and you're seeing a cg (laughs) evangelion but like at least the show was pretty to look at not really (laughs) the it was well designed but it wasn't pretty no, it was I deliberately I, I, ugly. No, but like cell, cell animation is just pretty to look at. Okay, um, this is it's just better CG, than CG. This is just CG garbage yeah, and graphs that don't and graphs that don't make sense uh, at all. <laughs> and it's it's not great. I don't like. I said I respect the first one. I don't respect this at all. At all. I hate Evangelion 1.11. <laughs> and what what I'm even what I'm dreading more is that I've already got a plan for 3.33 cuz we're skipping 2.22. We're skipping 2.22 on purpose to go to 3.33. Which 3. is too 3. bad cuz that's the most because, watchable of the three. But he, here's the thing. 3.33 is the most confusing garbage. You don't know what's going on because you have no idea what happened in between 2 and 3, right? Yeah, it's, I know. I've seen yeah, it. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I I'm, I'm confirming. I said right Yes. So, so the whole th- thing I'm doing with this is going to be like, yeah, the character's actually trying to figure out what's going on because, hey, ev- all of them are from the original series and they just got thrust into this part of the reboot because everything's changing and they don't know what the fuck is happening. I don't know. What the it's goddamn subtitles? Huh? What's about the goddamn subtitles? Like, the first one is like, you are, parentheses, not alone. <laughs> yep. Yep, uh, it's... Anyway, I'm enjoying doing my subbridging stuff. Sure. If you want to check it out, you can go to subbridge.com. That's sub-bridge.com. Maybe when I'm not teaching. Yeah. Uh, and then you can look forward to the stuff that we're putting together. So, finally, I watched Neo Yokio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've watched this... Last night was now my this first, is fun to last make night. Fun of. Last night was my fourth time watching Neo Yokio as well. Um, Dead man, if I may, if my, before you, if, before Troy starts, if I may quote the series: "By the power of Coco Chanel, I exercise your spirit." May her memory be blessed. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, Jesus! Wait, this is a production uh, ID and- joint. And, and may and may I also quote the series? Oh, there's plenty of them. Oh, there's there's so many. I can't even. I don't okay. give a fuck, bitch. I don't give a fuck. Fuck the game. Oh man, there's and then there's okay. So let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the first three episodes. Seem like they were written seriously and just bad, right? Uh-huh. And the anim the animation in episode one is the worst. The absolute worst. Lip sync. It looks like an, it looks like a. Yeah, that's the weird shitty... thing. This was conceived in English, but it's worse than bad dub jobs. Yeah, it looks like a <laughs> shitty 
a bridge done by a 10-year-old with Windows Movie Maker. So going forward, I feel like we should... For those who don't know, Neo Yokio is a Netflix anime series uh, created by a dude from Vampire Weekend. Yes. And uh, starring Jaden Smith. Yeah, Jaden Smith. Starring lots of people. Yeah, Jaden Smith, Jude Law, Susan Sarandon. Uh, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Jason uh, Schwartzman. Stephen Fry, who I didn't remember, who I forgot was alive. Yeah. And the thing that sticks out to me the most about this is that it was Jesus. produced, is that this thing was produced by Production IG and Studio Dean. Yes. And here's the thing. I believe... Here, I have a theory about how this goes, uh, how this came about. Drugs. Someone was writing. Someone was writing something that they were basically commissioned to do by by uh, studio by, or something. Uh, this, yeah, by like Netflix. Hey, write something for us. Um, and they were writing it, and it was bad. And after three episodes ish worth of story, they realized it was bad, and they said, "Fuck it!" At episode four. At episode four, they're just like, here's the Ranma one half episode. Episode five, they're just like, fuck it, it's it's uh, Redline and Lupin the third. And it, it it just, it takes a turn at the very end that's just like, okay, I get it. They know. They know. But the that also, just that almost from makes a zero it worse. out of ten to a ten out of ten in the quickest time possible. And no, it's not 10 out of 10. <laughs> it, no, just, it, it's a meme. But uh, it episode 6 is full of the... It, episode 6 is fantastic. Episode 6 is gold, and I think by the time they finished writing the whole series, they decided, okay, we have to go back and throw some of the is weird, quirky things in wh- throughout the series and put give Archangelo... More good lines because Archangelo is the best character in the whole series. Which is the episode where the main character tells a grieving husband that his wife should have worn a more appropriate uh, cologne two. on her funeral. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember. No, wait, that was episode one. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember which episode it was. He was just he was just complaining about the cologne she was wearing during her funeral. Yeah, that was the very first episode. By the way, that scene with the graveyard where Jaden's that scene with the graveyard. Jaden Smith actually does that. He has his own grave and he goes and lays on top of it. So fun fact, this series was originally intended to run as part of Animation Domination High Def, uh, that Fox late night block. Okay. It was really really, uh, slated to run there, but then after Animation Domination ceased operations last year, Netflix picked this shit up. Uh, Probably because they saw it and they were like, this is perfect. If you can make it through three episodes, you might be hooked for the end. <laughs> like, th- if you can make it through three episodes, because there's just enough there to keep you going if you're like, I need to know. And you're like, this is bad. I'm enjoying it being bad. Uh, but once you get to four, it, but they're also a little bo- bit of a slog. But like I said, there's just enough. Once you get to four, it's like, I have to see it through to the end. I have to. So, hey, coming soon. Neo Yokio. Uh, it's only six episodes, 20 minutes long, super doable. Um, and I don't want a season two ever <laughs> because they'll try too hard. Prepare for season two, motherfucker. No, please. No. Jaden Smith is a terrible voice actor. He's a terrible actor, no, period. He's a terror. He's, he's kind of terrible at everything. 
he is. Except being a Twitter uh, meme. He's got an amazing Batman, Twitter. Batman, Batman. Well, I think had. I think he, he left Twitter. He doesn't deserve giant Toblerones. Well, I mean, haven't you seen his his epic video, Batman, 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 Batman? Is that where he's in the all-white Batman suit? Yeah, and he just says Batman over and over again. Batman! Batman. I'm Batman. You don't deserve this big Toblerone. No, but Neo Yokio, it's it's the weird... Because, like, when it's not insanely stupid, it's boring, is the problem. Yeah. And there's a lot of boring in between because, like I said, so the robot is the the robot's voiced by Jude Law, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it's not a robot. It's a mecha. It's a, it's a mech suit with a woman in it. That's voiced by Jude Law. And at one point, the woman just comes out and says, "Yeah, I'm a woman." It's like, so you've been watching me change up this whole time. Then she gets back in the suit, and it's never mentioned again. So, uh, <laughs> question. So, looking at the cast, there are like actual actors in this. That's what yeah. we're saying. There's so many. They got everyone. Are they like actually good? Uh, they're get, they good-ish. do the best with their lines. Okay, they, do they the still best have to, they still have to deliver them. this dialogue, and they also have to act opposite Jaden Smith in a role that might actually be worse than After Earth. Okay, well, I, I was just wondering if they were actually like trying because it's hard to tell because the dialogue's so it, yeah, bad. Like, yeah. Rosario Dawson, hard. she is a really good actress, but she fucking phones it in a lot of the time, especially like a lot Jude, of voice acting roles. Jude Law has to do a robot voice so it doesn't give him much room to act. Okay. Uh also, most of the, people the robot only have a few lines. Strangely, the robot suit kind of looks like a robot from like a knockoff Korean cartoon which seems somehow appropriate for this <laughs> thing. And it's not colored at all. <laughs> no. It's completely white. And it, uh, it's one of those things that doesn't look like it should move. It's a series of blocks put together in the it shape lo- of a robot. <laughs> and it doesn't look like it should move at all, but it moves. And it shakes its head while listening to music with Jaden Smith in the bathtub. So what you're saying is <laughs> production, I, production IG saw this and was like, hey, we can make a new Cromartie High School out of this. I think production that might IG... Be it. Well, because yeah, production IG made Cromartie High School, and they made that off, off of like as someone once said, like the quarters they found on the ground after they made one of their other anime. That's what this feels like. Yeah, they had change left over from a series, and we're like, yeah, fuck it, let's see what we can do with this. I think what happened, yeah, I think what happened with this was like because it gets the animation in episode five and six, just like you're like, what? Wait. This looks like you're actually putting effort into it. I mean, minimal effort for like a yeah. standard anime nowadays, but effort. Yeah, it's just too little too late. Yeah, no, but I feel like it's super on purpose, though, by the end. Yeah, but that's I kind of hate it once it becomes on purpose, because it's not good when it's on purpose. But it's just, it, it's it's sort of like trying to turn into the skid. And sometimes that works, sometimes it really doesn't. I think... I think it worked for me because I, or else I wouldn't have watched it so many times. I enjoyed Neo Yokio a lot, and there's just things in it that just get me humor wise and non humor wise. Like certain line deliveries. There's this one point, Archangelo has an amazing line in episode two where he's just like, Jane Smith's like, What? Do you live here? And Archangelo really quickly says, I wish I lived here. And it's like the so it's like so real of a line read. It doesn't sound like a line, and it just threw me off. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, and there's 
But there's just so much ridiculous stuff that I love it. It's so much fun to watch. But it's not it's not good. It's not good. But I love it. Yeah, but by that same logic I enjoy Mad Bull 34 where a 10-foot New York cop um throws tanks at people and the Italian New York mafia employs Chinese assassins that attack people with chainsaws on motorcycles. I mean, Inferno Cop's not good, but I love it. Yeah. It's it's a shot in Freuda type of thing. So, Dead Man, you might want to... You should hit it (laughs) at some point. We'll see. Um, aside from that, uh, I've been, I've put my, uh, Urasawa homework to rest right now because it's too much. Is there, okay, if I want just like a more fun Urasawa thing, is that possible? (laughs) Master Keaton. I was going to say people have recommended Master Keaton. Is there anything else? No. Just Master Keaton, pretty much. I think I think there's a couple of like adaptations of other things that he did that might fall into that, but I would have to look at the list. Okay, because I know he did an adaptation of like fairy tales or something at one point. Yeah, well, so is everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, know. I mean, but Miyazaki made an adaptation of Heidi. Yeah, I, fuck, fuck that though. Okay. No, I don't <laughs> like Heidi. It's boring. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it, it not fucked Miyazaki. Miyazaki just, just I, I, you know. Apparently, Urasawa made a sports manga. Wait, what is it? What kind of Happy. sports manga? It's called Happy. It is about a young girl getting into professional tennis. I'll watch girls play tennis. That oh sounded uh, creepy. Okay, so I don't care. okay, so weird thing. Uh, here's the plot. The story is about a teenage heroine who embarks in a career as a professional tennis player to repay an enormous debt incurred by her brother to to Yakuza Loan Sharks, with the threat that (laughs) if she fails, they will force her into a life of prostitution at a soapland. Okay, I knew it couldn't be as happy as the name. So there's some Urasawa right there. Yeah, I was like, of course, it's Urasawa, of fucking course. As far as I can tell, um, the closest he gets to, like, normal stuff is in the 80s, like, uh... Yawara, which is described as Yawara Inokuma is a girl who aspires to an ordinary life, but due to her innate talent, is forced to practice judo by her authoritarian grandfather. Because of the pressure from her grandfather, she has a generally bad attitude about judo, avoiding it as much as possible. However, over time, she comes to understand why her grandfather loved judo and pushes her into the 1992 Olympics. Naoka Urasawa doing fucking Lupin. Anyway, yeah. um, no, no, that was just something someone messaged me earlier. <laughs> Imagine now here, Sawa doing Lupin. <laughs> Jesus, uh, yeah. Um, so it'd probably be like uh, either the new series or uh, a woman called Fujiko Mine, except even more massage. Oh shit! And hateful. I watched Castle of Cagliostro. <laughs> Speaking of Miyazaki. <laughs> That's a fun movie. Yeah, it is. It's not very... It's not, it's not Lupin, it's but not it's fun. It's not Lupin at all, but it's a fun movie. It's got some really sketchy-ass art, because it's really early Miyazaki, where he didn't have his style nailed. 
and he's also trying well, to adapt another anim- another style. It's early movie Miyazaki. Yes, because the reason it's, it's he, the first movie he made. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. Yes, it is. But it's it's one of the because Miyazaki had worked on the original television series for several yeah. years, and that was why he was handed the project. But yeah. I, I get the impression that even though he worked on the original Lupin series, he never particularly liked Lupin. Yeah. So this movie kind of felt like him going out of his way to put his own spins on Lupin, which basically well, means it's not Lupin. <laughs> it's not Lupin. It's Castle of Cagliostro. Um, which, again, fun movie. There's some plot stuff that's weird, but that's fine, because it's just like... It's just like Miyazaki's fun music and music like cues with direct with uh, his animation like that directing you, and everything. You mean a movie where a guy swims up a waterfall into a castle is weird? I I'm just saying like his 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 directing obviously uh is great. It started pretty rough, but that was a fun night. Just watching sitting there with friends watching Castle of Cagliostro. Um there is one line I must say really threw us all for a loop, and we had to replay it a few times. Me and threw you all for a loop on? No, because Lupin's not in this movie. I don't know. I'm <sighs> fucking tired. We were talking about Lupin, then you said loop. Um, fucking uh, go. I make okay, jokes. so Fuck so loop. So Lupin is. F- on fire, flying through the, through the air, about to land in his car, and like Goemon cuts off his fiery suit, and then he goes, "You should have worn an asbestos suit," and that threw us all like off, just because we're like, "Wait, is it better to burn or have cancer?" And so we had to research this <laughs> when well, asbestos yeah, it was, made was in the eighties. Over- <laughs> yes, but guess when asbestos was figured like when they had the first like proof that it caused cancer. Nineteen fourteen. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they outlawed it in nineteen fourteen. <laughs> no, yeah. but like they knew in the eighties though that it yeah, did. That doesn't so mean they like, did that should, look, think about think about American society in the eighties. We knew stuff, we just didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Smoking. Still Guns. It, it, it it just puzzled us. Uh, no, still. I can understand why that would weird you out. It's just, it's, it's like, yeah, that's the way things used to be. Yeah, people found out about shit. They did not give a fuck. Yeah, I wouldn't know I'm a babby, so. Yeah, you grew up on Tumblr. Where, uh, no, I didn't. Where nobody gives no, where nobody doesn't give a fuck. No, I didn't. I did not grow up on Tumblr. I grew up on AOL Messenger. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, that's all for me. All right, then. Birdie. Okay. Um, get the quickest thing out of the way first. Um, I watched a short from the new season. It's hard to say whether or not it's good since they're all three minutes, but it's just called Love is Like a Cocktail. Okay. And, uh, what's it? supposed to be about uh it's about an office worker in her mid in her late 20s who's kind of a tight ass uh likes the taste of alcohol but has almost no tolerance so she only drinks around her husband who was her first bartender all right 
And basically all of the little shorts are her dealing with daily aspects of her life and trying to work that into, like, her friends ask her out to drink, her friends ask her why she's such a tight ass all the time, her she gets upset when her husband has to leave to take care of something else, that kind of stuff. But like I said, it's, it's three minutes short, so they don't have story so much as it's just a couple of minutes of characters interacting. That's why I wanted to do this first, because, yeah, it's pretty, it's... The characters are charming, but they're three minutes short, so there's not much there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, on to something weirder, but that I read a lot more of. Um, actually, should I do anime all first, or should I, does it matter if I go back and forth? It doesn't really matter. Just fucking go wherever. Okay. So, uh, All Rounder Meguru is a seinen sports series. Ooh. And that mainly means in this case that it's it's got some tonal problems. <laughs> I enjoy it a lot, but it's got some tonal problems. Because I was telling uh, Deadman this a couple of days ago, Trey. You know what I don't normally expect to find in a uh, sports series about MMA fighters that's mostly pretty light in tone? Nuclear uh, disaster relief. Uh, oh, I uh, was going to answer, but no, you beat me to it. What? Yeah, so in case anyone doesn't know this, because you live in Iraq or something, in 2011, uh, uh, around Fukushima, there was a giant earthquake slash tsunami slash nuclear accident that covered most of the northern part of the island of Honshu, the main island of Japan. This region is generally called Tohoku, and the writer of this series, Hiroki Endo, is from Akita Prefecture, which is in Tohoku. So clearly, as he was writing this, this affected him very deeply, to the point where he keeps coming, he's come back to this point several times. At first, uh, okay, I guess I should... There's not really a premise, it's not so much a plot as a premise, because it's just characters... So, like, you have the one main character, Meguru, who's decent enough at MMA, but not particularly good at anything. Uh, then you have the Sasuke-like rival, uh, Takashi, whose <laughs> backstory is way too dark for a sports series. <laughs> Are his parents dead? How um, dark? His mother, his mother ran out on his father... Uh, his d- dad stole a hundred million yen from the mafia, so they executed him. Jesus. And uh, then he went to a uh, children's home where the head of the children's home was uh, was stooping the den mother. Yeah, Satan motherfuckers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't particularly like when they cut to him because everything he has feels so tonally at odds with everything else. I mean, it's not, it's not that, it's not as jarring as it should be, considering, like I said, uh, you have another character whose brother uh, had to quit sports after during a judo accident he baned. He did what Bane did to Batman. He broke the bat. Yeah. Like full on Bane or like accidental Bane? Accidental he broke Bane. The not, bat. not full on Bane, but yeah, he broke the bat. And so that guy was forced to quit to quit sports, and his brother 
who still did the sport that his uh, that the main, that the character who was forced to leave did, of course, had to deal with a whole bunch of shit from everyone else saying you should quit too because he, your family are clearly killers or should not be doing this sport no matter how much you like it. And of course, the guy who did this seems to be mostly fine with this because he's just devoted his life to nuclear disaster relief in the north of Japan. Sure. You cut out there a lot. I couldn't really make out what you said. Okay, sorry. Uh, So, the guy who broke someone's back in a judo match, he seems to be the one better off, all things considered, because he's just devoted his life to nuclear disaster relief in the north of Japan. And the story's more just about the brother of that character, who's one of the more bigger characters in the series, just learning to deal with that shit. Like, so when's this he, set? Uh, pretty much present day. So it's like twenty twelve, at least at earliest twenty twelve. Okay. Uh, is, like in terms of the present day stuff, there's flashbacks, of course, when they're children. But the early, the present day stuff is like twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Is disaster is nuclear disaster relief like a? Is that a? Is that a regular need? Uh. I mean, I mean, at the very least, even after they cleaned up the mess, they still had a lot of people who were without homes or food or electricity. So they would often go there and do volunteer stuff. Yeah. I, I, I might be overplaying how much of the series is devoted to it, but it's significant enough that I felt the need to bring it up. Okay. Yeah, because for the most of this, it's these parts that jar me, because the rest of it's just more of a goofy but sane in uh, uh, sports series, where all the women in this are kind of fun because most of them have a really ridiculously vindictive bitch streak. <laughs> like, there's this uh, mixed mixed race uh, Swedish Japanese woman who her first act when one of the main characters surprises her in a sparring match is to switch the uh, labels on the restrooms so he ends up in the girls' room and gets his ass kicked by a professional kickboxer. Naturally. Yeah. The kickboxer in question uh, responds to any threat. Is one of those characters who is, like, super... She's basically... I can't tell if she's Sundari or Yandere because... You know how normally the threat of, I'm going to shove my foot up your ass is mostly just an empty threat? It's not when it comes to a person who's practiced kickboxing since they were six. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, probably, uh, I don't know, I've never fought a person, or had a person who's practiced kickboxing say that to me. That's kind of terrifying to think about. I don't want to think about that. Why'd you make me think about that? I mean, well, the, I mean, I've played Street the Fighter. In, the woman in question is six foot, so. Why did you make me think about that even more? <laughs> eh. Hey, I've played Street Fighter. I know Sagat's fucking shit tier. I can do this. Yeah. But then, like, it, uh, so based on what I told you, Deadman, the, there's some really dark shit that happens in this. Like, even the main character, who's relatively happy-go-lucky, you learn that his his... His father is like one of those foreign those foreign investor type people who's just never there. So when his mom died of cancer, he just never returned. Really, <laughs> Jesus. And his sister, uh, 
got pregnant via her high school history teacher when she was 15 and was forced to get an abortion. So, uh... <sighs> yeah, all this stuff just keeps happening in a series that is, for the most part, pretty light and humorous. Because, um... I don't, I've never seen this before. You've seen characters who try to deal with the denial of their own emotions, right? Oh, yeah, totally. They're usually not aware of it to the point where, and this is the funniest thing I think I've ever seen in this type, a character um, uh, edits her own inner monologue <laughs> to the point where she's like, wait, why is my inner monologue being edited? And it has to, and brings up, like she literally calls it this, the sound mixer of her emotions to figure out what's being edited. <laughs> Jesus. This. It should be known that midway through talking this, I loaded up the first chapter ready to go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, because of the sh- I'm surprised Deadman isn't already reading it based on the shit I've been saying. <laughs> it, I think it's overall very good. It's very enjoyable. The MMA fighting is for the most part, uh, pretty easy to follow. And it's not as bloody bloody as I was expecting, considering it's full contact MMA. But uh, the only thing I... This is the first time I've ever encountered this. I feel like color a, a color palette would really help uh, a lot of the fight scenes. Because since it's all mostly black and white, uh, it's harder to tell who's who when it gets into a bunch of up-close grappling or con- or full contact, like kickboxing or that kind of thing. When the characters are separate, it's not hard because they're. I think Hiroki Indo also draws this, and he's a good artist. It's just whenever they start grappling, you can unless you remember distinctly what costume each person is wearing, it can get a little difficult to keep track of. But other than that, it's fine. And a lot of great characters, um, some really funny characters. Like there's this this one random douchebag who means nothing to the overall story who just they give a whole bunch of unnecessary development to because the, the, all the characters at uh, the main characters Jim is like oh yeah that guy he holds a grudge he'll just change something about himself every time he loses so if he looks different and just comes up to you randomly at a match just get used to it. So after like an initial grappling win, almost uh, the the main character is just like he's at this jujitsu tournament, jujitsu tournament, and then the just this blonde douchebag shows up and it's like, dude, I've missed you. It's like who the hell? Oh, oh, <laughs> bunch of shit like that. But yeah, I think I can. I think I can recommend this, despite as I said, Dead Man, the weirdly dark shit. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's keep the dark train going. Um, Choo-choo, motherfucker. Uh, oh, no, oh, no. Dark train. <laughs> Please rename that train. All right, let's, keep the, train. let's keep the midnight <laughs> meat train rolling. <laughs> so Darwin's game. <laughs> Already, that sounds amazing. Uh, so, terrible. So this, is, so this is a smartphone people murder each other game. Oh. And I can't tell what tone this thing is going for because at the start of it, it was just uh, the main character 
gets bitten by a virtual snake on his uh, neck to show that he's part of the game now, and he gets this weird message saying, "Okay, now you're fighting a guy in a baseball in a uh, baseball mascot uniform." He's like, "Well, that's weird." And then he's on the train with the guy in the baseball mascot uniform with a giant knife. Oh wow! This is my anime list. Has there's a review up there by a user that paints this series in the worst possible light for me. Okay. Just the first sentence makes me immediately not want to read this. So, okay. Well, tell Dar- me what that sentence is. Darwin's game is currently new with only a few chapters, but it looks like it could be awesome. To me, it looks like a cross between Mirai, Nikki, and Gantz. Okay, whoever wrote that hasn't read it in a couple of chapters because, yeah, there's elements of because like yeah, there's elements of the fuck humanity Gantz shit, but the main character's whole thing is that he's smart, he's likable, he helps people, and until someone of like Joker level intolerant douchebag forces the pulls a seven on him basically he doesn't want to kill people even though the game kind of encourages it so very incredibly not mirai nikki organs yeah whoever said that didn't really read this yeah i th- i think i think the thing that, like made a god is like hey it's a death game on your phone yeah, I guess that's probably why they came up that's with a it. Now, there's cause, like because like this like the description you gave of like oh yeah so it's like like this fucking death game on your phone. I was like oh fucking Mary and Nikki. That was the first thought in my head. Yeah, I mean the, the main character. Uh, to be fair, the guy he's fighting in the first match dies, but not because of something he did, but because he ran out of points in the game that he could use in other matches. Cause like losing a match does not mean you're dead. If you lose, you can lose points and still keep playing the game. If you run out of all points in the game, then you're ejected from the game, which means you get pixelated, which means there's also a subplot about police officers investigating what they first think is weird square pixelated graffiti. (laughs) This sounds interesting. Yeah, I think it is interesting. It's uh, it's gone off the rails a little bit because, um, okay, so it, like any smartphone game featuring a lot of people, there's of course special events. Um, the special event, the the first special event takes up about five, uh, ten chapters. Not to say no, fifteen chapters. But it's basically just a whole bunch of higher level characters get together for a specific purpose. They don't necessarily have to work together. They can, but if they don't have, but they, it's basically how the main character forms his own little guild. He just finds a whole bunch of characters that he finds himself kind of simpatico with, and did they kind of they work together towards a common cause, and that's how they form a guild. So, what is the game? Um. So the reason it's called Darwin's Game is because the maker of the game. Is, is attempting to understand and promote uh, human superiority by finding, uh, according, and this is according to what the creator of the game, which has not been seen yet, says, a test sample of imp- of major import. And sort of like, get based on how they play the game, how they score in the game, the game uh, designer, well, whoever the creator is, sort of assesses what is given and who are who should be studied and why but at the same time as i was getting to it's a little too weird because the the second big special event 
is a whole bunch of characters transported to an island in another dimension full of monkey demons. Okay, I mean, like, what is like the actual game itself? Like, are they trying to murder each other? Is it like uh, a quiz show where people die? No, it's 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 a combat game. Okay, you don't have to kill each other, but of course, that's a part of it. And as a member of the game, you get special abilities that help you in the game. Killing is allowed, and for some characters, often encouraged, but it's not essential. Okay. And there how are, far into it? How far along is the story? Uh, do you mean in terms of chapters, or yes. just um, there are forty-three, forty-page chapters? All right. Okay. Uh, okay. For curiosity, that review I read earlier was based on three chapters. Yeah, that's what I thought because that's that's basically just nothing but the first fight between. Well, there's nothing but the fight between the main character and the baseball mascot with a knife who can turn invisible, and the second one against... I'm not sure if she's a lolly chick or just a really thin chick whose whole thing is she can control any type of stringed weapon, like, telekinetically. So wait, does that mean any weapon with a string or any weapon that is string? Any weapon that is string, so like chains... Or anything like that. So she can control one half of a bow and arrow. Yeah. Well, one or, third of a bow and arrow. Or her preferred way of dealing with people is uh, a series of long chains that she essentially uses. Kind of like, she kind of fights with them the way, uh, what's his name? Uh, from uh, the, the Spartan from... Wait, uh, Kratos? Hold on. Kratos. Can you, yeah. can you specifically explain the rules of this power? Um, as far as I know, there has to be a string element to the weapon, and she has but, to she, she has to have come in contact with it at some point and be within it, a certain it has, range. Does it have to be a weapon? No. Okay, so if she just touches your shirt, can she kill you? Like, strangle Maybe. you? Maybe. They haven't shown that. She has shown that she can tie string from end to end and vibrate it, so it's like an electric razor. Okay, I'm just thinking, like, just touch someone's shirt and then strangle them with a collar. Yeah, sure, possibly. They haven't talked about that. So are all the powers? So are all the powers people get like that kind of specific? Are they all Uh, stands? No, no, it's very different powers for very different people. Um, The the intelligence person uh, essentially has the ability. To, to gather all potential information from her environment at once, if needed. And she often uses this to, like, predict bullet trajectories or the, the pathways of different combatants and stuff like that. So she mostly works as an info broker and doesn't prefer direct combat. All right. I have uh, my own power, and that's to smoothly and sleekly glide out of a podcast. Okay, bye. See ya. Sorry. Later, dude. But yeah, there's elements of it that are that get dark. Like I said, uh, the one the the guy that forces him, the main character, to kill is he's one of those characters that like you, you know you're supposed to feel bad that the main character is finally being forced to kill, but the guy in question is so out and out evil that you're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> 
This don't know is losing, losing his humanity and becoming one of them. Fuck it. Who cares? Kill this guy. Because, yeah, his, he served up one of his high school friends in a box in small pieces. So, like, yeah. It's, oh, I yeah. Was, you mean, oh, so straight up seven. Yeah. I wasn't kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe you meant, like, the dildo knife. No. No, straight up ending of seven. Okay. But yeah, I'm enjoying it overall. Like I said, the going to a weird fantasy island in a different dimension with giant monkey demons and a and a hidden village of uh, ancient Japanese people is a little weird. Yeah, sounds like it. So, and I don't know what direction... Well, I know what direction they're going with the current storyline. I don't know what direction they're going with the story as a whole. So, who knows? Yeah. But it's... You might want to check out a couple chapters, Dead Man, to see what you think. The first couple are kind of what you expected based on that description, but it it's not like that the whole time. Okay. Cool. Okay, so... What else have I read? Uh, I did read uh, another basically anime man- manga Dark Souls thing that I can't remember. Uh, Dungeon Seeker. Which oh, I don't really enjoy. I read that too. Am I wrong in saying it's basically just anime Dark Souls? Uh, kinda, yeah. Okay. So, it, like, I'm bad at describing things, you describe it. Like, so, you a Dungeon Seeker, uh, it's, it's Isekai. Yeah, it's Isekai, but, but everyone says, everyone says fuck, the main character learns to hate all of humanity almost instantly because everyone around him is a fucking prick. Uh, there's no hope for anyone. You probably will die if you don't do what he does and eat the flesh of a zombie. Yeah, it, follow, it follows... Uh, it, it is another example of my theory of the fact that every anime high schooler is a sociopath. It does seem that way. Which yeah. is probably why I didn't enjoy reading this. So, main character... A childhood friend of his, lady friend, and four of his bullies one day are just kind of hanging out, doing whatevs. Uh, he's getting his ass kicked, and then the six of them find themselves in another lo- in another dimension, brought there by a god, who was a human like three billion years ago, but then he got bored and became a god or whatever. So he wanted to see, like, hey, what, hey, what the fuck will happen if I do this? Takes them, supplants them into a medieval fantasy world. Yeah. Uh, so... After spending some time there, uh, it's when, when they initially get over there, they're each assigned like jobs, like you know, like you would in an RPG. Uh, his main character job is villager, nun slash skill hunter, which becomes important later. And as he and like, and like so, they spend some time there. Eventually, the girl gets chosen to be sacrificed to a dungeon. Like yeah. this weird, like this weird roving dungeon that like travels throughout the land and like just takes people. Yeah, he decides to take her place. You know, being the good guy that he is, turns out she's fucking the bully guy, and that she manipulated him to make him do this. And yeah, because that... again, the theory. Yeah, and so uh, the again, main character having no skills and no real powers. Ends up in a situation where 
he really should have died, but he was sort of uniquely designed to survive the initial boss. Well, not not, not he, really that. Like, uh, like the initial like so the initial boss is a guy. He is a double S ranked death god kind of thing. Yeah. Who doesn't have very much HP or attack, but anything, but any attacks against him are immediately nullified. Yeah. And so, so yeah, the the only thing the king character is going for him right now is that he's smart. Yeah. And so, he figures out a way to kind of force the thing to attack itself. Yeah. He yeah, like the ground that the guy standing on is very loose, which then like leads down into a cavern covered in fucking slag tights. They're the ground ones, right? Uh, stalagmites are the ground ones. All right, stalagmites. Falls down and pills himself on that, and we learn what his skill hunter ability is, which is whenever he kills somebody, he gets cards, and then he can use those cards to take the abilities of the people he killed. So he takes this guy, eats his flesh, which gives him poison flesh, uh, some kind of regenerative capabilities, and a fucking pistol. Yeah, like a straight-up forty-four Magnum pistol. Yeah, so this isn't really um, this isn't really Dark Souls to me. It uh, it has like the this is more like nihilistic isekai stuff. Yeah, you like no, like, like what if a- yeah like what if uh, fucking ReZero was written by a high schooler who really hates his dad? Yeah, sure. I kind of like it. Yeah, I kind of figured you would based on uh, the types of books you read. I just my problem with this kind of book is always that it's it's so intentionally bleak and hateful a lot of the time. And like the most recent chapters have suggested it might go a different way, but I have no idea for how long. But like that much just like bleak, hateful bile, I can't really take in large doses, which is weird because I encountered two other manga that I'll just briefly talk about in relation to this because they kind of fall into the same trap of just they're so dark that I can't get into them at all. One is um, a torture classroom where a kid who's the victim of bullying is given the right to rep- to to uh, uh, participate in a torture game where the this organization will help him kidnap whoever he wants to put them in this room for him to do whatever he wants up to not in, but not including killing them. Oh yeah, I read on that. And yeah, it's just and it's getting to the point where it wants you to both um it it makes it very clear that the main that the person that the main character wants to torture did torment him and is kind of a, vinc- a vicious cruel person. But as the series goes on, they want you to sympathize with her and hate the main character. So at which point you're just like, oh, fuck all of you. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I read a couple chapters of that. It just got really boring. Yeah, because it has nothing other than that premise, and that's the problem. Yeah, and first... maybe this won't just have just that premise. I don't know. It's hard to tell at this point. No, yeah, recent chapters, it seems to have uh, branched out a bit. Because like for the first uh, like 12 or 13 chapters... Uh, our main guy is stuck in this dungeon. It is this, it is this like seemingly never-ending dungeon that just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, every dungeon has a safe area where if you go inside of it, you will regen any lost health or any lost body parts, re- uh, take away any damage, and you can essentially use it just like like fucking kite enemies, which seems like yeah. a design flaw, especially when you have a fucking gun. Yeah. And. Yeah, so after he after he's in there for a while, uh, the god came down and was like, "Hey, yeah, so 
the way you've allocated your skill points is retarded. Because, like, everybody has, like, starting base stats or whatever. Uh, his, like, base attack and defense are five. Yeah. And his agility is 10,000. Yes. So the only reason he's able to kill anybody is because he moves so fucking fast nobody can see him. And because he happened to get a fucking mythic weapon that gives him a, that gives him a 250 bonus to his attack. Yeah. So God's like, hey, fucko. Are you an idiot? Go well, out. Well, it's sort of like, um, so you've watched uh, the Nickelodeon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series, right? Oh, hell yeah. The most recent one, where Ra- Raphael goes like, are you an idiot? No, wait, I rephrase that. You're an idiot. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, so he sends him out into the world, uh, making him look like a more standard isekai protagonist. Yeah, just with horrible Sasuke face. Horrible Sasuke face. Yeah. And he goes in and he goes out into the world, meets a naked lady who immediately is like, oh, hey, aren't you from Earth? The god fucking drops people off here. He's a dick. Let's go adventuring together, bro. Yeah. And we briefly meet what's probably going to be a child touchy priest. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Just guessing. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, yeah, that one has some potential. Like, Dungeon Seeker has some potential to rise above its nihilistic isekai premise so maybe it will uh the the other series and um the other one i read which is i can't remember the name of it but the whole premise is hey uh this person was a victim of serious bullying so i'm gonna start plotting against everyone else and bully and torment them and the only premise at the end of it is when will it ever stop revenge classroom is that what it's called maybe I read another book, like, any book about a fucking bullied kid who goes back to his class and decides to go take revenge, that could be, that could describe, like, 19,000 different books. Yeah, so like I said, and when your only premise is, when will the bullying ever stop? When your whole premise is bullying and revenge bullying, you've got nothing. <laughs> yeah. The big twist in Revenge Classroom is that the protagonist is a lady. Ooh. Okay, that, that might actually be the book I read then, because the, the, it also ends with a character that the main lady thought was a friend turning out to be the one who manipulated everything to create this cycle of violence, and then instead of blaming him, you're supposed to blame violence itself. Yeah, no, blame him. Yeah. In in, in Revenge Classroom, what set it all off was somebody pushed her into oncoming traffic. Yeah, that's what That I isn't read. a systemic problem. That's a personal problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I read. That's, yeah, fuck that series. So, yeah, Dungeon Seeker might be worth checking out at some point, but the other two, can, you can, they can fuck themselves. Alrighty. <laughs> All right, so last thing. I don't know if you actually managed to do what I asked, but... Um, fuck, right. I only... Okay, that'll answer that question. <laughs> um, so the reason I said that I would like the AR description in... Sword Art Online, Ordinal Scale, if I didn't read this, is that I watched Deno Coil, where the whole premise of this is kind of a dark, twisted sci-fi fantasy where these people live in a world of, like, fully integrated AR. Okay. Where, like, it's completely common for, like, a parent to give the gift of a pair of glasses and just ask for a program that is a dog 
to be given to them that they can only see with them on, but it's like fully sentient and reacts to you and stuff. Uh-huh. And like you have entire buildings with like built in AR and virtual reality constructs. But like if you're, if they stop supporting it through the servers, it just becomes like a dead zone, but they have to clean it up. If they don't clean it up, it, it leads to, um, uh, computer viruses that are in the shape of like dark bugs. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so far it really is. And when this uh, podcast is over, Deadman, I want you to listen to the opening uh, theme for Deno Coil on YouTube and tell me if you want to watch the series after that, because that's what made me want to watch it, and I'm quite glad I did. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, it's all about children. I don't know what direction it's going to go with children. Given the kind of dark, melancholy overtones of the theme, it's probably going to go dark places. I don't know. It's hard to tell, because... There's a lot of goofy shit that happens in this, despite the tone of this opening, because the girl loses her uh, her her uh, AR dog, so she contacts a cyber detective agency that she met. She met an agent of in town who just pulls out this old man carrot thing that is like her helper. And then a giant cyber fishing rod that she uses to send him in and to pull stuff out of, like, ruined uh, cyberspaces. Sure. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. I'm probably describing it badly, but you would if you watch an episode of it, you'll get what I mean. But I, I really like the characterization, all, that, all told so far, in that you have all these kids just running around getting like cyber money from these people who they help out and fighting over it. Like, I don't know. I haven't figured out what the purpose of the cyber money is yet. I I don't, I assume it's something to do with either buying new pets or new gear or something. But then there's also this weird thing of just, there's these floating spheres that shoot lasers at people. Okay. Ostensibly, this floating spheres appear to be designed to like, remove like these broken breaches and like empty spaces but they don't really uh, delineate all that much between viruses and normal programs so they just kind of cluster bomb everything and sometimes people get hit too yeah that's a great system yeah and then the first and the last episode ends with some like giant red bell demon thing coming out of a wall Huh. Yeah. It's a weird series. Sounds like it. But it's the kind of like um a low con not not low concept, like a low lo fi science fiction. Like it's not like a, a different world or like a whole technologically advanced society or something. It's just this one thing is really different. It's speculative. Yeah, speculative. Yeah, this is, like, with the way things are going now, AR does seem like it will one day become very important. Yeah. And a lot of people who, because this this series came out uh, from uh, Madhouse in, like, 2004, but it was trapped in uh, release hell for several years and was released last year on DVD and Blu-ray. And a lot of people went back and said, oh, my God, this thing might have predicted the future. (laughs) Huh. 
but I want to keep re- watching it. There's 26 episodes and it's Madhouse, so it's at least going to look okay. Yeah. All right, then. So yeah, that's it for me. All right, then, moving on to me. Uh, so I guess we'll keep the fucking easy guy train rolling. Uh, Mashoka Tensei. I've heard of this. I haven't read it. So Mashoka Tensei is a... From the outset, a very a very standard isekai trash story. Okay. Yeah, it's about a 34-year-old, uh, just neat asshole, uh, living at his parents' house. One day his parents die, so his siblings boot him the fuck out of their house. Uh, as he is out there doing whatever, uh, he saves people and gets killed. So, God... Okay. So God reincarnates him in this fantasy world where he is now the son of a some kind of legendary sword fighter and his wife. And he has awesome magic powers. And it's also kind of a harem. Okay. You haven't told me anything to suggest it's all that different yet. I, I do think it does do some stuff differently. Like, uh, like it wasn't until I actually like read this and started thinking back about other Isekai series that I read because I kind of went on an Isekai bent. But I didn't. Yeah, but I didn't write they're everywhere. But I didn't write them all down because fuck. You can only talk about so many, so many fucking like hardline Isekai stories before you're just describing every Isekai story. Yeah, except Exterminator because Exterminator is awesome. Exterminator is really cool. Exterminator is really fucking awesome. Yeah. And I just love the. I, I I didn't figure this out the first time I read it. That the me- reason he leveled up is that all the poisoned rats he 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 killed, he just threw into the forest, and animals ate them, and the animals' death gave him XP. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you just found this really efficient way of farming <laughs> by accident. <laughs> but yeah, so in this, uh, he, there's no leveling really like that, but. One thing that I kind of appreciated right off the bat was the fact that the main character had a personality. Well, that is rare. I mean, you just talked about Kirito. Yeah, in, in a lot of Isekai stories, the, ma- the main character doesn't have a personality. He doesn't have goals or wants or needs. He is just the best and is kind of just driven around by whatever, whatever more interesting characters tell him to do. Yeah, again, Kirito. Yeah. Meanwhile, this guy, he is very much like, hey, magic is awesome and I like panties. It's not much, but it's something. And it's also it's also a flaw. Like it is kind of like set up as a flaw. People do not like this about him. Yeah. So Oh, so it's like uh it's kind of like that guy from Alderaman of the Sky who Yeah. the fact that he's such a horn dog just keeps getting him in trouble. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And yeah, so a lot of the time they kind of like pass this off as like, "Oh, just a cheeky little kid, like doing whatever." But then eventually his dad will like try to beat the shit out of him. And also, another thing, for the first few chapters, he was actually agoraphobic. Well, that is different. So he couldn't actually leave his yard. Because any time he did, he had a fucking panic attack, because he is a 34-year-old man who never left his house for, like, 20 years. Yeah. But then, you know, we got a magic teacher. She was like, hey, dude, don't be a bitch. Let's go fucking shoot water balls at each other. I told you that line from Gamera that I love from when we did the Death Note riff, right? Yeah, I think I so. Kind of said, Don't be a bitch. Do something. Yeah, basically. 
Yeah, and so he was. And so yeah, he was hanging out with them. Uh, eventually, he went into. I have the, to find more ways to use that line. <laughs> yeah, eventually he went into the city uh, and was like, "Hey, I want I want to go to like Magic University to actually learn like real magic shit." And his dad's like, "Yeah, I'll let you go, but on one condition: go into the city and meet our other family." So he goes in there and meets a bunch of fucking like high class royalty people that apparently his dad's related to, <laughs> along okay. with along with this little girl who is a total bitch. So he tries to so he tries to like cure her of her being a bitch by by faking a kidnapping and then saving her. But then he fucks up and gets her kidnapped for real. And has to be saved, which is another rarity in East Kai stories. Yeah. And eventually uh things kinda happen. He gets uh he gets blown to fucking the four corners of the goddamn world uh and meets up with a member of a tribe of people that is known for being horrible murderers. Cool. And so he forms a party, like an actual party that he needs to have around in order to fucking like do what he wants to do and also not die. Okay. Another thing that I never thought about until I fucking saw it. He's not cool with murdering people. Yeah. Like 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 I was saying with Darwin's game, it's like just assuming, oh, because I have the power to kill people, I can kill people. Cool. Like it's that's too much often the default yeah, and or like in the case of Kirito, it just it's a problem once but never again. Yeah, and in every Isekai story, the people like the fucking main character, he does not give a fuck about people's lives. He is just like, "Hey, yeah, fucking you're dead, whatever." Just immediately goes into it. No scene of him like fucking questioning whether murdering is wrong or not. No scene questioning whether he can like still be considered a person. It's just, "Oh, hey, look, a person in my way, die, and then I'm fucking good to go." And so with this, it actually like uh, like they so so like main character was kidnapped and whatever and was about to get fucking fucked up so the guy from the clan of murderers he comes in and sees them it's like oh you're evil die like essentially punches him so hard his head explodes and our main character starts freaking the fuck out like dude what are you doing no murder is bad And it was this really weird moment, like this kind of turning point in my head where I was like, oh, fuck, wait, this is different. Yep. Sounds like it. Yeah. And. And like him getting like the insane God powers and stuff, a lot of them are. Like a lot of them seem like they would be overpowered, like he has, you know, awesome magic shit. He can like cast spells without doing incantations and shit. He got this weird fucking God eye that gave him predictive abilities, which makes him pretty all right at stuff. But there are people in the world who are better than him at things, and there are a lot of them. Like, he got the fucking predictive eye and went to, and was, like, having a sparring match against the murderer. So he was like, all right, so he's going to go over here. And then by the time he realized where he was going to – how he was going to punch and thought of how to do it, the guy had already punched him. So every step of the way, it seems like they are building a more and more OP Isekai protagonist. But they keep kind of undercutting that either by his own personality or just the world around him. Just the tropes. Yeah. And I, I dig that. Like, I don't have a necessary problem with East Sky stories themselves. It's just the fact that every one of them is the goddamn same. Yeah, no, that's always been the problem with talking about Isekai at this point is that so few of them are in any way different from what we know that 
when you can when you can follow the beats almost to the letter, not only are you bored, you're just irritated. That's because I think that's probably why you and Trey got as heated as you did about SAO because SAO is kind of the progenitor. I don't know if it's the progenitor of the tropes, but it lives in them. Yeah, totally. And like over the last few years, we've gotten some decent deviations from the norm with like fucking rising of the shield hero re zero. Exterminator. Exterminator. Motherfucking exterminator. (laughs) And it's weird. Like I was talking about, I was talking about like problems with people not having uh, personalities. I cannot tell you a goddamn thing about the Exterminator main character personality. Oh, I can. Other than he's really good at his job. Lazy. I Lazy and easy, easily manipulated by women. Manipulated by like women, he even, yes. He, like, he even admits to himself, it's like, okay, it's not fair sending a cute chick to be sad at me to make me do something I don't want to <laughs> do. <It's>, <laughs> <sighs> As far as I can tell, he's one of those characters who thinks through everything, and because of that, he often seems aloof. Like, to the point where, in the last page, like, does the fact that I don't want to fuck a woman who's my slave and is willing make me a loser? And the the slave says, what's a loser? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, well, there was... I do. I do remember uh, just thinking back on it now, like when he was making that poison, like the rat poison. He was like getting really giddy about it, and the fact, like, hey, I'm actually yeah. doing my job and being like thinking of interesting things. Like when he got paid, just like the sparkle in his eyes. Like, yeah, hey, it's one money. of those things. That's hey, I can, I get, I'm doing what I know how to do. I'm getting paid for it. Yeah. So I'm getting paid well. Cool. I have a fucking house now. Yeah. Well, an apartment. Yeah, I I, I live above the. I also like that 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 granny elf who's like. Yeah, I only look like the granny elf because people take take the advice of someone who looks older more seriously. Oh hell yeah, she's great. I fucking love her. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was initially very worried when that first chapter ended and he came back and Granny was a hot chick. Yeah. But then oh no, it actually kinda adds to her character. Yeah. She's like, fuck you people who are high level and have abilities I don't because I never leave the house. Yeah, it was so cool. Just this is really like, like uh, they they are very quickly making him very very overpowered using very base magic. Yeah, but but it, I guess it, I guess he doesn't feel overpowered because he has absolutely no desire to do anything. Oh yeah, like he he's not he's not fucking going around like trying to build a harem. He's not fucking going around like oh I'm gonna go defeat the demon lord or whatever. He's just like no I fucking have my place. I'm gonna do my job. If you come at me with fucking like hey go defeat this demon lord quest, I'll be like yeah I'm good. But like hey I got these fucking rats in my basement. I'm your bro. Or like he like knows hey, his- uh, ghost haunting, spray them with healing potion. <laughs> yeah, like he knows his station in life. He is able to come up with interesting and smart ways to do things. He like actually learns things and has like a and has like a basically an on hand encyclopedia of fucking herbs and shit. Yes, like Kamina the the granny. She feel I believe that's her name anyway. Uh, yeah, it's either Camino or Camino, it's something like that. But yeah, like, she feels necessary, not just another one for him to fuck. Yeah. <sighs> I'm really glad Exterminator is good. Yeah, there should be another chapter out. 
sometime soon. Yeah, the next couple days. Yeah. Then the next week or so, we got another chapter of motherfucking Rising of the Shield Hero. I'm yeah. still really digging that. Which I'm kind of surprised that hasn't... Isn't that getting an anime soon? Yes, it is. Okay. I was about to say, like, that seems too popular to have not gotten an anime adaptation yet. Oh, no, the, the, the anime's coming. Uh, they released a couple of uh, previews of it. Okay. But yeah. The story right now is trying to teach the bow hero not to be a fucking steel-killing XP hog. Because they went to an island to fucking grind and gain XP, and the shield and the bow hero is just stealing everybody's kills. He's also built a he's also built a cast system in his own fucking adventuring party. Of course he has, because he's a shitbag. Sounds like it. Yeah, I really I've, I've read a bunch about like what happens after what is currently in the manga, and I'm really looking forward to where that goes because I. All of, all of the god, all of the other like heroes are isekai tropes, like gone up to the nth degree. Okay, like the bow hero is like, hey, I'm the fucking sword of justice. I'm gonna go out there and do this. I'm gonna go do this. Meanwhile, um, meanwhile, the link, meanwhile, the spear hero is building a harem, and the sword hero is Kirito. So. So having the shield hero there just to go like, hey, you trope, fuck yourself. And then having them realize, oh, wait, I'm a dick bag. <sighs> it's cool. I like this. It's really over. The, it's really fucking heavy handed over the top. But fuck it. I'm down. Okay. Anywho, moving off from East guy stuff. Uh. Me and the Devil Blues. Okay. This is bizarre. I have no idea what it is, so... So it is a manga about Robert Johnson. Uh, Robert Johnson, for those who don't know, is a... was a blues singer and songwriter. He was a, he was a very popular musician. Uh, he was also... He was also kind of the guy who, I don't know if he was the first, but he kind of began the myth of selling your soul at the crossroads to be really good at the blues. Okay. Yeah, uh, n- nothing really is known about his life from like pretty much his like pretty much from him, like from time he was born to the to his death at twenty seven. Nothing really is known about his life other than he played guitar real good. And so it became, you know, the thing of like, oh, yeah, he fucking sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads. And so this manga is about what happened after he sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads. Okay, yeah, that's weird. Which is, he grew five extra fingers on one hand and hung out with Bonnie and Clyde. Sure. Yeah, so... Yeah, so RJ, as he's called in this, uh, he is this, like a is like a regular work hand working out in the fields in the south. He wants to be a blues man, but he just doesn't understand the blues. And so he's he has like a guitar, but he can't play it for shit. Uh, there's a fucking like speakeasy, a blues house, or the fuck they're called, like a little shanty that he and the other people hang out in. He goes there and he goes there and play, and he's fucking garbage. <laughs> and then one night he goes to the cross. He finds himself at the crossroads and plays, and then. Somebody somebody comes up behind him. 
suddenly it's six months later. His wife is dead. Unborn kid is dead. Family hates him. So he just kind of goes out on the road and ends up getting a buddy who is the devil. As the, as he kind of just travels from town to town, playing blues on this fucking shitty ass guitar. And then he meets Clyde. And the two of them just kind of start traveling together. And it is real fucking weird. It is really weird to see a manga adaptation of somebody's life using weird Americana. Yeah, that sounds weird. Yeah, like in the most recent chapters, um, what happened was the two of them, at the, so the so Clyde and John RJ ended up in this town where the guy running it is a fucking Puritan asshole and anybody who is caught drinking any kind of booze gets put to death. Also, they okay. regularly have town festivals around a lynching because it's the American South of the 1920s. Okay, yeah, I was about to ask it. I wasn't sure if you had said it was prohibition or not. Yeah, it was. It is. It is. Uh, it is like either during or on the cusp of prohibition. Yeah, there was a brief period in the 20s where it was not quite prohibition yet, but it sounds like yeah, this is about prohibition. Yeah, yeah, it's either it's either the twenties or the thirties. So it's either like just before prohibition starts, or just before or it's after prohibition ended. Okay. And also, you know, the racism. Well, that's you have to be a little bit more specific when you say American racism. You can't just say racism because like that could mean anything. Yeah, the like the N word is said repeatedly. Yeah. There, it, like, there are multiple framed photos in this in this town's bar of people standing around smiling around a dead black man being hang being hanged by the neck like he's a fucking catch, like he's a fucking fish. Yeah. And so, and so like, and so as they've gotten to the most, as they gotten to the more recent chapters, uh, Clyde, I think, found out about uh, found out about RJ's hand, and. They're currently being hunted down by some kind of hellhounds in the form of hunting dogs. Because there are like three different dogs and each of them have their own fucking special powers. To the point where like one of them got shot like five times and didn't die. And another one is smart enough to fucking bait people into shooting other people. Okay. Because he's a greyhound or fucking whatever. Yeah, I don't really know what to think of this one. It's it's weird. I wish I could. I wish I had read some of it because I always hate when you talk about these books that I haven't read that are weird because then I have nothing to say about them. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that I keep finding weird shit. But that's just kind of how it happens. I just fucking go on. I just go to these random websites and go. All right, well, this, this sounds interesting. Let's see what the fuck this is. Oh. Anyway, speaking of weird books, moving on, um, Onideka. I have no idea what this is. Yeah, I figured. So Onideka is about a, is a purported romance series 
about a kind of boring kid and a giant. So, so in the series, uh, we have two main leads, guy and girl. Forget the names, I will call them guy and girl. Guy and girl are childhood friends. Uh, girl is treated like a princess at pretty much everywhere she goes, always fucking, oh my god, she's so great, whatever. And guy just kind of goes with it. Uh, one day, uh, guy calls girl out to the tree behind the school, and everyone's like, oh god, they're gonna confess. And he's like, hey, I'm gonna stop coddling you and doing whatever you want. You need to be, you need to be like an actual adult for a bit. And at that point, they get struck by lightning. And Guy dies. But then Guy is brought back to life, being possessed by an alien entity. And Girl grows to be 50 feet tall. Because of that same alien entity. Okay. And it is revealed that there are other alien entities out in the world that have possessed other people and also made them giant. But for each individual person, uh, what makes them giant uh, is different. So as is described, uh, the girl, uh, she gets bigger every time her heart beats faster because she's in because of feeling she has because of feelings of love she has for guy. So anytime she is more in love with guy, she grows taller to the point where she grew big enough to have to have her head go above the clouds. Okay, that's a weird twist on Pinocchio. Yeah, and then there is this other lady who was like this who's like this Lolita maid person from Akihabara who got bigger the more people the more people like cheered for her. And for yeah. some and for some people as they kind of like get more and more Is it permanent or does it or is um it 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 comes it comes and goes. Okay. Like they they, they kind of have like a base height they're at. Where like where like they have like a certain level of just kind of always at that, but then as things get more and more, they get bigger and bigger. Okay. But if they are defeated in battle, then the alien entity leaves their body and they shrink back down to normal size. Okay. And for some of them, uh, the the thing they have in them is black instead of white, like regular. And if it's black, then they can start affecting the emotions of other people. Sure. Like uh, there, like there's one lady who was whose like thing was like laughing. Like the more people laughed at her, the more the taller she got. And so as she went around doing stuff, just laughing, other people started laughing for no reason. Or there was, or there were like these two. Uh, there, there are these twin sisters who were Chinese, who were like, "Hey, the fucking Japanese are coming to invade. We gotta fucking take. We gotta get them out of here and fucking take them down." And so as they started fighting, more and more people around who saw the situation were like, hey, yeah, fuck the Japanese invaders. And it turned into fucking riots in, the, riots in the streets and shit. It started to get away from what I liked about it. Okay. Which was, I really liked the weird romance aspects of it. Like I kind of like only started reading this because it was described as a romance and had two main characters, a guy and girl. Because hey, I kind of like those stories. As it turns out. And so for a good chunk of this, it was it was like the two of them rolling around together, getting into all kinds of hijinks and shit, 
girl being fucking super embarrassed of like, oh god, there's a oh god, the guy like is on my tit. What am I gonna do? As he gets bigger and bigger. And like the fucking ebbing and flowing of their relationship or whatever. But then at a certain point, the guy just kind of was sent away. And then we focused on him as girl was just out doing whatever. You know, fighting people and what have you. And this weird doctor who's just kind of there and is super into girl. In a very creepy way. Okay. So yeah, I eventually dropped it. I might pick it back up if I hear anything else about it, like it getting back to what I liked about it. But for now, in it lost me. It got too far away from got too far away got too far away from its romance root, and I don't really find giant people fighting each other that interesting. Okay. Yeah. So the last two things, uh, I'm kind of going to talk about them a bit in tandem. Uh, Ice Shield 21 and Ace of Diamond. I know what Ace of Diamond is. I've heard it's, honestly, of the two series you've read, you're talking about, I've heard Ace of Diamond is better, but I've read Ice Shield 21. It's okay. Yeah. There's a problem I kind of have with both of them. And I think it's more prevalent in Ace of Diamond than Ice Shield to me because I actually finished Ice Shield. I have not finished I have I have not finished Ace of Diamond yet. Okay. And that is I like my sports series to be about the characters winning. And so yeah, like the So I'll just Ice Shield 21 is a football series, American football series. Um, Ice, of, Ice of Diamond is about baseball. Uh, one of them is about a kid who wears like an ice shield and like, you know, a tinted face covering and goes into and goes into these uh, football matches as a running back. And he is a stupid good runner. So he's able to fucking run at speeds fucking unimaginable to most people. Uh, meanwhile, Ace of Diamond is about a pitcher who is... A naturally good pitcher, but has like fucking no training or whatever, so he just fucking pitches wildly. People have a hard time hitting them, but he sometimes hits them. It's a whole fucking thing. But in Ice Shield 21, it is about this guy, Ice Shield 21. That's that's his name. That's what they call him, because he has an Ice Shield, number 21. He gets more and more confident, gets better and better at American football. And one of the final things is that he goes into a match against Panther, a character who's been introduced, who was introduced earlier, uh, as part of a team run by a racist, because he is black, and the two of them get into like a fucking match, and Ice Shield loses. And I know that like loss is important, like loss has to be loss has to be like mean something in sports series, but <sighs> there there has to be a balance. Yeah, especially if it is, like, the last final climactic battle between these two characters. And so so having, like, the cap off to the series be our main guy lost, I'm like, eh. The series itself is, the the rest of the series itself is alright, like, there's some decent jokes in it. The artwork is not what I would expect from my fucking Yusuke Murata. Yeah, it's much more 
simplistic than pretty much anything else he's ever done. Yeah, simple, really really cartoony, more standard, almost like fucking gag manga style art. But then every once in a while I get a fucking splash page that is Murata as hell. Yeah. I think the difference then is Ice Shield 21 was kept on a schedule. Yeah. Yeah, probably. You can't be you can't be a big name shown in sports and sports manga and just release it whenever you're ready. Uh, yeah, then moving on to uh, Ace of Diamond. Ace of Diamond is it it takes itself a bit more seriously as a sports series. Yeah, that's the impression I got from the like it's less like it's less it. it's less about the gags, less about, you know, the crazy characters and the weird fucking portions and shit. Everybody is everybody looks like a person. Like the fucking captain of the baseball team doesn't carry around fucking machine guns to shoot his teammates with. But this one is more prevalent throughout the fact that our main character is f- fucking terrible at baseball. Like in the and first, that's not always. I was about to say that's not always a bad thing. Where um, it depends on like if it's just like terrible in general or just like it's just part of everything. Because um, one of my favorite base, it, not just sports series, but baseball series is a uh, big wind up where the whole thing with that character is he can't throw very hard, but he has a lot of control that he worked very hard to get. But because he can't throw hard, everyone thinks he sucks uh-huh. until this one catcher who hates pitchers who just throw hard and have no real control and don't listen to the catcher gets to work with him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in this one, uh, he is like, like a, like a main character is the star of his fucking like local baseball team to the point where he actually gets recruited by a fairly high, like a fairly like high ranking school with a very well-known baseball team. Okay. So it's not that he sucks, it's that he comparatively sucks. Like his thing that so he, like, his thing is that he has so he like, he doesn't a vi- suck in any way that affects the plot. He just, fe- he just sucks for comedy's sake. Kind of. And that's kind of my problem because he is, uh, he, he gets, he gets fucking scouted to be part of this team. And then he gets into the team. He's terrible. Mainly because, mainly because the catcher that he wants won't catch for him. And then meanwhile, his rival character on the team is amazing. He is the fucking bestest pitcher who's ever lived or whatever. Sure. To the point where like he is, he is a first year and already is already being called the ace of the team. Despite the fact that the trope. Yeah. Despite the fact that the main character's fucking goal is I'm going to be the ace. And so having somebody else, especially his rival be of that level this quickly. It draws too much attention to how much he sucks. <laughs> yeah, and it's especially it's especially prevalent because he he only gets to play in like half the matches, and even then he was only like a fucking relief pitcher. Okay. And so having and so having our main character be on the bench for so much of what's happening. Like I don't I don't mean to keep I don't mean to fucking do this every time I talk about a goddamn sports series, but Haikyuu. Yeah, no, I mean Haikyuu's Haikyuu is the high bar that yeah. a lot of other series have to not necessarily aspire to, but have to kind of compare themselves to. It, it depends on the kind of shonen series you make. 
but like Haikyuu is probably the best or one of the best sports series ever because it finds the right balance between somewhat because like it's like Crocono Basket good but ridiculous yeah Robot Class Laser Beam same kind of thing but not to the degree of Kuroko yeah there's there's no magic basketball in Robot X Laser Beam there is kind of magic golf Somewhat, not to the same extent as Kuroko. <laughs> not to the same extent as Kuroko, but like getting backspin so much that somebody thinks the golf ball bursts into flames. Yeah, being able to fucking hook a shot so much that grows a snake. Shit like that. No, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. Like I said, from the same writer as Kuroko Nobasuke, yeah, just it, not to the same. It's extent. very obviously from. It's very obviously from Kuroko guy. But anyway, like in Haikyuu, uh, Hinata kind of terrible at volleyball at the beginning yes but he has like but he has like that like natural springiness and like and like agility that other people can make him better and then he naturally progresses better in the in the sport well, yeah well i mean um that guy who sets up the spikes for him he the relationship with that guy is kind of the relationship between the pitcher and the catcher in the big wind up so i think you might actually like watching or reading the big wind up i mean probably yeah, it just seems like right now, like, the main kind of rivalry and partnership appears to be between two pitchers who don't really ever interact with each other on the field. Or, I guess, on the... Is it field? Um, on baseball the... is field, yeah. Okay, on the field. Like, like one guy goes up, pitches really well, and then the guy in the state, and the guy in the fucking dugout's like, grr, I want to pitch like that. And then the guy, and then the, and the second guy gets to go up and pitch, and then... And the other pitcher's like, I pitch really well. And I am the best pitcher on this team. Nobody else on this team is a pitcher like I am. Yeah, although, keep talking for a sec. I got to take care of something, but I'll I'll tell you what I think based on what you're saying. Yeah, and like it, it also kind of sucks as baseball is a particularly boring sport to watch. Like baseball is a fairly static sport. Like with uh, like with other stuff, you know, like pe- people have people have problems with tennis, but tennis is fucking always moving, and so they're able to get like interesting like, dynamic shit out of that in like the drawn format. But with baseball, it is if you're if you're really good at baseball, then the fucking pitching it doesn't really there is basically no movement. It's just one guy moves, another guy moves. Moves and move. Move and move. All right, next. There's this real fucking boring, like, cycle that you just keep going through over and over and over again. So there is no real... It's really hard to actually try to draw that in an interesting way. And the characters don't really do a lot to, like, carry that for me. Uh, None of them are particularly... None of them really stand out to me in an interesting way, except for one guy who is, like fetishistically into torturing his brother and like being better than his brother at everything to a point that it is. Yeah. He has problems. Like he needs to go to like counselor or something. He is, he's going to murder that. Oh, kid. So this is, this is another one of those sports series with characters that really should not be out in public, but everyone just kind of rolls with it. Uh, it's not so much that it's so much as it is a sports series with a guy who should very clearly be like seeing a counselor, or, like a therapist. 
Okay, and is, is, what I meant is, is the series aware of this, or does it just say, eh, fuck it? Uh, the two characters involved seem to be aware of it, and other people seem to be catching on. Okay. Yeah, like, it, like uh, one of the starters for the team is this guy whose younger brother is a first year joining the team. And whenever we get, like, his internal monologue, it is... The, the internal monologue of, like, the older brother is, I'm not going to let, is basically, I'm not going to let this fucking little shit get better than me in anything. Fuck him. And all the time having this big fucking smile on his face because he's one of those guys. Okay. The character who's drawn always with a slight smile and closed eyes. No, like, am I secretly evil face? Basically. <laughs> and I'm probably not going to read too much more into it to find out if he is evil. Okay. I just this this doesn't have enough this doesn't have enough of what I like about sports manga in it for me. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Alright then. Those are what we're reading and watching then. On to news. So, first up Run and Terror, you motherfuckers, we're getting two new Sword Art Online TV animes. Ooh. Don't care. <laughs> So one of them is a continuation. Uh, it is a adaptation of the Alicization arc or Alicization arc. I don't fucking know how to pronounce that shit because it's a fucking stupid word. Uh, it'll be uh, it'll be launching at some point. Uh, it covers volumes nine through eighteen of the original novel series. Whatever. Yeah, the other one doesn't have Kirito in it. Uh, this one is called uh, Sword Art Online Alternative Gun Gale Online. Great title. But yeah, it's about a six-foot-tall lady who is very self-conscious about her height. So when she goes into Gun Gale, she makes a five-foot-tall character covered in pink. Okay. That just sounds like the reverse of that character from... Um... Fuck, what was the good series that no one watched but is better than SAO? Uh, Lock Horizon? Uh, Lock Horizon, yeah. The main, the, the, the chick who looks like a, who looks like a giant male ninja, but is actually a chibi. Yeah. Chibi. I don't know. We'll, we'll fucking see how that goes. I guess. I'll probably end up watching at least one of them because I hate myself. So, Yeah. Uh, then final thing, another fucking train wreck incoming. According to Screen Daily, Paramount Pictures and Bad Robot are working on a J.J. Abrams-produced adaptation of Your Name. I'd heard about the you were making a Hollywood live-action version of Your Name. I did not hear Bad Robot was involved. Yep. And the internet uh, has already fucking... Started ripping this shit apart. Because why the I fuck eat. wouldn't you? The initial image I saw for all this stuff is somebody writing their name on, right? Like, instead of, like, her, like, writing some message on her face, she's just writing fuck. Yeah. And a few different manga, and a few different uh, manga creators, uh, or artists, or just regular people, also just started doing, like, manga versions of what the fucking American version of it would be. Well, you can't blame them right after Death Note. Yeah. 
And somebody also... Which, uh, which actually, I guess I should just clarify. I, I guess a lot of people did like Death Note since it's getting a sequel, and even some of the creators of the original manga kind of liked that movie. I don't get it. Yeah. But my favorite thing, kind of from all this hate to come out, was a was a drawing by somebody on Twitter named Kiji, uh, who did who did your name but face off. So it is John Travolta and Nicolas Cage looking at each other, writing their names in their faces. We don't need to take our faces off. off. <laughs> I should really watch that movie eventually. You haven't watched? You've watched it with me. No, I haven't. Yeah, we did a riff of it. No, I, okay, yeah. Face off, yes. Your name, I haven't. Oh, okay. That's That wasn't clear from that. Uh, yeah, sorry. That progress. Sorry, but yeah, I haven't seen your name yet. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's Makoto Shinkai, if I recall correctly. And Makoto Shinkai, I'm never entirely sure how I feel about him because he... This seems to be like the one that has the most heart that's not just deliberately heart-wrenching, but I haven't seen five centimeters a second in a while, and I that one is one of those like weepers that a lot of people like to talk about, and then there's what's something words? Uh the Garden of Words? Garden of Words, yeah. So I don't know. I I, I kinda wanna see your name because it seems like the it has the most human story of any of Makoto Shinkai's other st- other uh, of Makoto Shinkai's films, but I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. Yeah, me either. Anyway, that's gonna do it for this week. Thank y'all for joining us. So we'll be back in two weeks' time with episode of the BestOfBroads.com anime and manga podcast. In between now and then, though, we got shit coming out. I don't know. We're reviewing things again. That's neat. Still that I'm dead. I'm Birdie. And for Trey. Trey. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>